dear children in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house tonight, and you also, children, who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. This is that holy night for which we have been planning in the Advent season. And I do hope that all of us will be glad that we spent the waning moments of Christmas Eve and that we greeted the dawn of Christmas Day in worshiping the manger child of Bethlehem. And on this holy night, we turn again to the Christmas story. We ask ourselves the question, what child is this? This is the holy night when we celebrate the birthday of the child of Bethlehem. This is that holy night when we come to God's house and when we celebrate a birthday. The birthday of a child born centuries ago in Bethlehem of Judea. What child is this that should, at the call of our soul, bring us to worship on this holy night? And tonight, dear children, we're going to ask the angel who announced on this night centuries ago to the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem this great birth when the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And on this holy night, when we look to the manger child of Bethlehem, and we ask the question, what child is this whose birthday we are celebrating on this holy night? And the angel said, this child is no less than the Savior. This child is none other than the Savior who came to bring you the greatest joy possible, the joy of heaven the joy of eternal life, the joy of an eternity of bliss with God in heaven. And so the angel tells us who this child is. He is your Savior who came to bring you the greatest joy possible. And you and I as children tonight on this holy occasion, we may say to ourselves, how wonderful and how glorious is the fact that this child is no less than the Savior who came to bring us the greatest joy possible, heaven, eternal life, and eternity of bliss with God in heaven. And we may say, but really, was this child that wonderful? Was this child really that magnificent? Was this child really that glorious? And on this holy night, that angel would assure you and me that this child is no less than the Savior who came to bring us the grandest joy and the greatest joy possible, and all because of this fact that this child was just that marvelous a Savior, just that magnificent, just that glorious. And on this holy night, in these waning hours of Christmas Eve, Let's allow the angel to assure us that this child, this child was no less than the Savior. This child brought us the greatest joy possible, and all because this child was a marvelous Savior. 
this angel would remind you and me tonight of that God for 4,000 years foretold that this child, the Savior, would be a Savior that would bring great joy to all men. We may say to ourselves, did God for 4,000 years foretell and prophesy that this child would be just such a wonderful Savior? And did God shape the destiny of events in order to allow this child to come into the world? Let's go back to 4,000 years before this holy night in Bethlehem. And that brings us back to the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they had sinned and they stood before God and Satan in the guise of a serpent stood before God too. And do you remember, children, what God said about this child, uh, this Savior that would come into the world? That day when God spoke to Adam and Eve and to Satan, 4,000 years before this holy night, God said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God said something tremendous about this manger child of Bethlehem at that time 4,000 years before he came. He said that he would be the seed of the woman. He would be the seed that would come from Eve and that he would conquer Satan. He would be the one in conquering Satan, therefore, who would bring the greatest of all joy to us, the joy of eternal life, the joy of everlasting salvation, the joy of a blissful eternity with God in heaven. 4,000 years before this night, God bore witness to the fact that this child would conquer Satan and therefore would bring great joy. And even then, God shaped the destiny of events that this child, that this great Savior could come into the world. You see, the seed of the woman coming from Eve was to be able, and able was to carry on the line that from him would come the Savior. But you and I recall, children, that Cain killed Abel. And then it was that God, so that this child could be born, that this child could come into the world, God shaped destiny, and God gave Adam and Eve another son by the name of Seth. And from his line would come this tremendous Savior. We move on for a thousand years after the creation of Adam. Do you recall what God said about this babe, this great Savior who had come into the world 3,000 years before he was born in Bethlehem? That brings us children to the time of Noah. And do you recall that when Noah blessed his oldest son, he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. In other words, God foretold that this child would be a wonderful, marvelous, magnificent Savior because this child would be the Lord God himself. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And because this child was no less than the Lord God, you and I may be assured tonight that as we come to God's house and as we worship on this holy occasion, that this child was no less than the Savior. He was the one who came, as the angel assures us, to bring us the greatest joy possible. No joy greater, the joy of heaven, the joy of eternal life, the joy of eternal bliss with God in heaven. 
Noah had so expressed the joy in this coming Jesus 3,000 years. And yet our God shaped the destiny of the world because even though mankind had become wicked and God destroyed the human race by a flood, nevertheless, God shaped destiny and he kept alive Noah and his three sons because this manger child of Bethlehem 3,000 years later was to come from the line of Noah and from the line of Shem. We go on another thousand years and we say to ourselves, what did God foretell about this child of Bethlehem 2,000 years before this child was born? And that, children, brings us to the time of Abraham. And you recall that Abraham lived in the land of Ur of the Chaldees and that God said to Abraham, Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless them that bless you. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Do you recall then what God said about this child that would be born, this Savior? Why, God foretold that he would be from the seed of Abraham and that he would be such a tremendous Savior that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. This is the child for whom you and I have come to worship tonight. In him would again all the families of the earth be blessed. He would be the one who would come into this world and would bring the greatest joy possible, the joy of heaven itself, the joy of eternal life, the joy again of an eternity of bliss and happiness with our God in heaven. And oh, how God also shaped the events of life that this child could be born. Abraham went as God asked him and you recall that he traveled up to Haran and came on down and came to a strange land, the land of Canaan. But he didn't have a son. And yet our God, when Abraham was 100 years of age and Sarah, his wife, was 90 years of age, when she was long past the stage of childbearing, God blessed them with a son. God shaped the destiny and the events of history in order that this child could be born on this holy night centuries ago. And Isaac was born, and they called him laughter because he brought joy to their hearts after he had been born. And you remember that Isaac became the father of twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And again, Esau had sold his birthright to Jacob. And you recall that when Esau wanted to kill Jacob, that God, he again shaped the destiny of events, and he kept Jacob alive so that Esau didn't kill him. Why? Because God had foretold that from Jacob's line there would come, therefore, this child of Bethlehem who would be the Savior, who would bring again the greatest joy possible into this earth. And because Jacob was blessed by God, you recall that he had 12 sons. And then they sold the one son, Joseph, into slavery, as you remember, children. Yet our God shaped the destiny of the world by having Joseph go down into Egypt. And there came a famine, and God moved Jacob and his family down into Egypt. Seventy of them went down. And God used it and shaped the destiny of this nation that from the seventy there should grow up in Egypt a tremendous nation because God wanted a separate and a peculiar people so that from this line he could send the child of Bethlehem, the Savior. 
And just before Jacob died, you remember when he blessed his sons. And you may say, what did he say about this seed that would come from his line? He passed up Reuben and Simeon and Levi, and he came to his fourth son, and that was Judah. And then he spoke in prophecy by the power of God. He said that Judah the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. Children, he called this babe who was going to come and who came on this night centuries ago. He called him Shiloh. And that word Shiloh means the peace bringer. That he would be the one who would come into this world and bring the peace of God. He would bring the grandest and the greatest joy that's heaven, the peace of God, that man might have eternal life, that man might be at peace with God. He was to be Shiloh, the peace bringer. And then they remained down in Egypt for over 400 years, and God caused the nation to grow. And they were a nation of between one and three million people. And then you recall God raised up Moses. And Moses led them out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. And there came the period of the judges when God kept them alive. And then finally there came a king. There was Saul followed by David and by Solomon. And again it reached its zenith. This was the nation that God kept together because this was the nation was, that was to furnish into this world the Savior, none other than the one who would come and who would bring the greatest joy possible into this world. And after the death of David and Solomon and when the kingdom was divided, there arose, you recall, children, a prophet by the name of Isaiah. You may say, what did Isaiah, who lived 700 years before the first Christmas, what did he have to say about this manger child? He said this, he said in prophecy, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, this child that would be born, he would be no less than God in human flesh. Therefore, what a tremendous, glorious Savior he would be. And Isaiah also said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and kingdom there shall be no end. Isaiah said this of him in prophecy. Again, he is going to be the head of a kingdom, and that's going to be an everlasting kingdom, and it's going to be built upon the throne of David, and that kingdom would abide forever and ever. Oh, what God had foretold in the 4,000-year period before this night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was a tremendous, marvelous, wonderful Savior, even as God had so testified. And then there was Micah who lived about that same time who said of this child, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth and arise who is to be ruler in Israel. It was Micah who said that this child, this Savior, this one who would have an eternal everlasting kingdom, he would be born down in Bethlehem of Judea. We may say to ourselves, what child is this? And why have we come to worship? Why Christmas? Why do we celebrate the birthday of this child of Bethlehem? Why this holy night? Why? Because the angel says this child is no less than the Savior. He is no less than the one who has brought you the greatest joy possible. No greater joy possible than the joy of heaven. 
the joy of eternal life, the joy of everlasting salvation, the joy of an eternity of bliss and holiness with our God forever and ever. And so time marched on and God still shaped the destiny because in the year 722, the northern kingdom, ten tribes were carried into Assyria and into oblivion. And then in the year 586 before Christ, you recall Nebuchadnezzar came and he overcame the southern kingdom of Judah. But they went down into Babylonian captivity and they stayed there for 70 years. And God shaped the destiny of that people. They were not to be exterminated. They were not to be drowned out or assimilated because from the tribe of Judah, God had foretold would come the manger child of Bethlehem, the Savior. And they came back, as you know, to the promised land. And the last prophet that prophesied about the coming of this Jesus was no less than Malachi. And he said, and the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. He called him the Son of Righteousness, He who would come, who would bring a righteousness, the glorious, joyous good news that there would be a righteousness that He would have that would bestow eternal life upon us. We say to ourselves, what child is this? Why do we worship? Why Christmas? Why this holy night? Why celebrate this birthday? Why the angel says, don't you know this child is no less than your Savior? He is no less than the one who came to bring you the greatest joy possible. Even heaven could not bring any greater joy than what he brought. The joy of heaven itself, the joy of forgiveness, the joy of life, the joy of salvation. And then there came 400 years of silence. And so as we again on this Christmas Eve, waiting for the dawn of Christmas Day, when we say to ourselves, what child is this? Why, this child was no less than the Savior, marvelous indeed, who came to bring the greatest joy possible, heaven itself, and therefore we can rejoice that he was also the one who, when in the Old Testament, in that 4,000-year period, when men believed in him who gave heaven and eternal life, no man was saved in the Old Testament time of 4,000 years except through faith in this manger child of Bethlehem, in this one whom God had foretold would be a marvelous, tremendous Savior, and again, for whom God actually molded the events of history so that this child could be born. This is the holy night, and we say to ourselves, uh, we are here at the call of our soul. We want to worship this manger child of Bethlehem. And what child is this? And again, the angel says, don't you know what child this is? This child is no less than the Savior. He is no less than the one who came to bring you the greatest joy that even heaven could bestow, the joy of eternal life, the joy of everlasting salvation. And we may say to ourselves, was he that wonderful a Savior? We look at the child of Bethlehem tonight and we say, an infant in a manger was he that marvelous a Savior, that glorious, that magnificent? And the angel assures you and me that he was just that glorious because the angel also assures us that God, when the fullness of time came, when the time came to send this child, that God then foretold what a marvelous Savior he would be and again shaped the events of human history. 400 years of silence 
followed after Malachi when God didn't speak to his people. And then God again suddenly broke through into human history. There was a priest in the temple who was offering up incense, and his name was Zacharias. And children, you remember him. And an angel came to Zacharias and told Zacharias, Zacharias, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to be parents of a son. You shall call his name John, for he shall go before the Lord. The angel foretold that the child is going to come, but this child is going to be no less than the Lord himself. And then six months later, the angel Gabriel went up into Nazareth in Galilee. There was a virgin girl living there by the name of Mary. And the angel Gabriel announced to her, Hail Mary, thou hast found favor with God, and announced to her that she had been chosen of God to be the mother of the Christ child. And again announced to her that she shall again be the mother of the Son of the Highest. Who was this manger child who was to be born of Mary conceived by the Holy Ghost? No less than again the greatest and the Son of the Highest. God testified when the time came that this child was no less than the Savior. He was God's Son. He was the Son of the Highest. And the angel Gabriel, you recall, told Mary that her cousin Elizabeth was now great with child, about six months. And then we know that how God shaped destiny. Mary left again, Nazareth and Galilee, went down to the hill country in Judea, and she visited Elizabeth. When she stepped into the home of Elizabeth and Zacharias, the unborn child in Elizabeth leaped for joy. Uh, that was the one who was to be John the Baptist. And Mary remained there for about three months, up until about the time that Elizabeth had her child. And then she went back home into Nazareth, up in Galilee. And it wasn't very long before Joseph, the young man to whom she was engaged, began to realize that something was happening to Mary. And Mary again couldn't tell her secret. What could a young virgin say to a young man when she knew that she was going to have a child and that it had been told her that it was conceived by the Holy Ghost? But God stepped in, children, and molded the events because in a dream God came to Joseph and announced to him, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for again she shall bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. God again testified as to who this child would really be. He would be no less than the Savior. And then you know that Joseph, when the angel announced to him what the great secret of the age was, he took Mary, and then the question was, what about the neighbors, and what about those who would talk, because you know they talked in that day, just as they do today. And then God again, because God wanted this child to be born, a God-shaped destiny over in Rome, seated upon the emperor's throne, was Caesar Augustus, because the Caesars had conquered the world. And little did Caesar Augustus know that when he issued a decree 
that all the world was to be taxed and was to be enrolled, little did he realize that he, Caesar Augustus, was being used by God so that over in the little land of Palestine and Asia Minor, a virgin might leave Nazareth and Galilee and might go with her husband down to Bethlehem in Judea. For when that decree was given, each Jew was allowed to go and to do it as has been the custom, and that was to go to his ancestral city. And because Mary and Joseph legally, they were from the nation of Abraham, and they were from the tribe of Judah, and they were from the family of David, and David had been born down in Bethlehem, uh, therefore they would go to Bethlehem down in Judea, about 100 miles from Nazareth, they would go for the purpose of taxation. And so God shaped the destiny because of this child and they started down. I walked most of that road again and it's still there. And what a thrill it must have been. And evidently they took the old route that came out of Galilee, crossed the Jordan and came on down east of the Jordan, going by the land of Samaria and then coming back into Judea. When we read in the Word of God, children, again, about 10,000 times 10,000 angels, 100 million angels, can you imagine what it must have been when Joseph and Mary were on the way down to Bethlehem? Heaven was watching. This was, again, approaching the very time that God had planned for 4,000 years. That, again, the child, the Savior, should be born and watching every move that nothing should happen to Mary and the child. Now they came to Jerusalem, whether he had a donkey or not, we don't know. We rather imagine that he did, because if you've been in the Holy Land, most everybody has a donkey, regardless how poor they are. Mary probably rode, and when they came to Jerusalem, no doubt they looked and said, this at one time was the city of our great king and ancestor David, but now again it was under the Romans and under the Roman eagle and under again the Caesars. And then they walked it six miles from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem. And as they walked down the road, I'm sure they passed the tomb of Rachel, which is still there. And if you visit, you will go there. Rachel, you know, the beloved wife of Jacob. And she died, as you recall, giving birth to Benjamin. And oh, Jacob loved her so much, and her tomb is still there, and it was there in the time of Mary and Joseph. And as they came and approached Bethlehem in Judea, no doubt they said, there is where David again, who was the great psalmist, where he sang his sweet psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And no doubt they talked about the fact that there was where Ruth, the heathen girl, the Moabite, she had gleaned in the fields of Boaz, who was an Israelite, and that they fell in love and they married and they had a child. And that child was Obed, and Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And I suppose that Mary and Joseph said, that in our son, his blood is not all Jewish, that there is heathen blood too. Ruth the Moabitess, one of our ancestors, and again, her blood in line. And then they came to Bethlehem, God, a shaping destiny of this child, this manger child who was the Savior who came to bring the greatest joy and you recall the story well, don't you, children, how he went to the inn, and there was no room in the inn. There were so many that had come to Bethlehem for the enrollment and for the payment of taxes that there wasn't any room. But there was a stable not very far away. 
And so again, they went to a stable, and again, what it must have been, Mary and Joseph, but 10,000 times 10,000 angels looking down. And then we are told in the Word of God, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and of all things laid him in the manger. The last thing that you and I would ever expect for again the Savior who would come and again who would come to bring the greatest joy that of all things he should be laid in a manger in a stable. Heaven looked down and what a sight that must have been on this holy night centuries ago. But just about three-fourths of a mile away there again in the fields of Bethlehem we are told that there were shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And as they were there suddenly again the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign of you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel the multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, what a sight that must have been this holy night centuries ago. I stood in the plains in the fields of Bethlehem and some who were there with us are there tonight. They have gone back and they wanted us to go back again. But I think of them tonight. They're holding a service in the plains of Bethlehem and said to think of them. They wanted to go away. It's a tremendous joy and a tremendous thrill to look up into the darkness and to say what happened here centuries ago. An angelic choir singing because again there had been born in Bethlehem this Christ child. And then the shepherds, they said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And they went and they were looking and trying to find and they knew again a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Every babe would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. But not many days would be lying in a manger in a stable. And oh, what an amazing thing it must have been when they came and probably saw just a little light in a stable. And again would go and found Joseph and said, Is there a baby born here? And how Joseph and Mary must have felt that how would they know? And they again, they worshipped him. And they went out and they told abroad those things that had happened. And we say to ourselves, uh, oh, this holy night, uh, this is Christmas Eve. And we say, again, we're awaiting the dawn of Christmas Day. What's the reason why this child, children, he's no less than the Savior who came to bring you and me the greatest joy possible. There isn't any greater joy that heaven can bestow than the joy of heaven, the joy of eternal life. The joy again of an eternity of bliss with God in heaven. And therefore you and I can be assured that he was just that marvelous, just that wonderful. Because there's no doubt about it, this manger child of Bethlehem, he was the Savior. He was the Redeemer. He was the one who was the fulfillment of all prophecy. He was the one that caused God to shape human events that he might be born. We say to ourselves, oh, this is the holy night. Uh, there's just something about this night that we say, I, I want to worship. I, I want to go to church. I want to, I want to hear something about the Christmas story. And when we ask the angel, what child is this? 
And the angel assures us, this child is no less than the Savior. He is your Redeemer. He is your Rescuer who has brought the greatest joy possible. And you and I may say, oh, angel, was he so wonderful? Was he so marvelous? The angel would remind you and me tonight, yes, because he would remind you and me on this holy night that every year at this time God works a tremendous miracle because of this child. Oh, something happens to this world when Christmas comes, doesn't it? You and I talk about the Christmas spirit. We say, what is it that comes over this world? What is it that changes it? What is it that would cause a 24-hour cessation of war in the Vietnam affair? That you mothers and dads, as on this Christmas Eve you worship, you can say to yourself, thank God nobody's shooting at my son now. What is there about Christmas? What is there that Phyllis Brooks could say everywhere, everywhere Christmas tonight? What is there about, again, the transformation that takes place where uh, we become kinder than ever? And when we are more considerate, and when some of us who carry a grudge and eat ourselves up with hatred and animosity, when Christmas comes, we suddenly say to ourselves, oh, this can't be because this is Christmas. We say, oh, what a tremendous change kindness and goodwill. Christmas, oh, it, again, it's as though heaven, you could just reach up and touch it tonight. And you and I say, oh God, if we could just keep it going, if we could just keep Christmas in our hearts. And oh, when you think of the...